Hey, I'm Maria. I work at a labor union by day and write and watch too much TV by night. I like to say I've been firmly in the CW's clutches since it was the WB. As the great Seth Cohen on the OC once said about the fictional teen drama, The Valley, TV teen dramas are mind-numbing escapism. They exist in a fantasy world where 20-something hot actors are usually cosplaying high schoolers in melodramatic depictions of adolescents. But that's honestly why I love teen dramas so much. I love the tropes and the shifts and the not-at-all-subtle product placement. I love the early aughts theme songs and the cameo performances by pop-punk bands. I love the newer generation of shows that are more diverse and representative of the vastness of teenage girldom. And I especially love the moments when TV teen dramas get political. You guys, we can organize, stand together, speak with one voice. Karl Marx has come alive for me today. Now it just seems so obviously wrong that those who control capital should make their fortunes off the labor of the working class. Well, since you've fired us, you've given us plenty of time to kick in. Workers of the world unite profit chains! Welcome to another episode of Leftist Teen Drama. Today we're talking about sex in sex education and all of the awesome sex education that teenagers in the U.S. definitely don't get in their sex education course, but they definitely should. Anyone who knows us knows that appropriately I have invited Susanna and Ashley to talk about this topic with me. Two of my... It's so weird that we're like old friends now because... I know. My oldest friends from like the beginning of college till now. And I feel like we discovered a lot of sex and mental health things or talked about a lot of sex and mental health things together. Our whole friendship. We studied abroad in Europe together. And then at one point we lived together in an apartment which we called the Pussy Palace very affectionately. (laughs) And then (laughs) after college, y'all made a podcast, which you should definitely, even though it's defunct now, we're going to put the, we're going to, you should listen to the episodes that did No, no, no. They're very good. We, we pay Podbean. We pay Podbean once a year so that people can continue (laughs) to listen despite us not making new episodes. Exactly. So so if you're interested in the West. What Ashley means... (laughs) Ashley means that historically she has paid for Podbean and that finally now that I have real <laughs> employment <laughs> I'm also paying for Podbean. It's up. You can Talk listen to the wet seat. What the wet seat is slash was and introduce yourself. The wet seat is uh was essentially like a manifestation of the sex conversations that we were having that I was also having on a very casual basis where people kind of sought me out personally as like a sex therapist. Um <laughs> and Suzanne and I always had a lot of um kind of really intimate but like ultimately freeing conversations about like taboo sex topics with people on a casual basis and so we just created a podcast space where we essentially would drink wine while giving taboo sex topics airtime and so the wet seat has been on a schedule of a season and then a year hiatus and then a season and then a year hiatus and so if we did come back so we're really we due for another season Ooh. yeah exactly you heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> it 
really started because Ashley and I just talked about sex all the time, both with each other and then with other people. And we were like, shouldn't we all, shouldn't we do something with this? And we both were like in an amateur post-grad way interested in pursuing those topics professionally, though really neither of us did. I think it's really wild. I honestly think so for season two, quote unquote, of The Wet Seat, we did a live podcast and I honestly was I was fully expecting Maria for five people to show up like we had it was we were just taking over a living room LA yes it was was in in LA. LA we were just taking over a living room we made a Facebook event but like I wasn't expecting anyone to come to like our podcast that like had a hundred listeners. Okay. Like it was, and I was like, I want 60 people there. (laughs) Right. Susanna had more faith, but like, and so we, I was absolutely floored when lo and behold, like people kept on coming in the fucking door and we had like a crowd of, we didn't have seating for all of the people that like showed up to this like podcast. So they were all sitting on the floor, honestly, good sports. It was like 45 people there. Damn. Yeah. And so I think it was, also kind of cool because the whole point of the podcast was that people want to be talking about these things but they just don't have a space for it and so I found it really revealing that like so many strangers that had no connection very small connections to me and Susanna I didn't know some people that were there um, were like interested I didn't know like most people that were there (laughs) that's when you know that it was just a good idea and y'all are good at it we definitely have better mics Uh, I apologize if any of your listeners go it's back true. to the wet seat we are straight up off of like apple iphone yeah that's definitely how i feel about body suits for buckheads so i feel you <laughs> especially the beginning days of that so i am ashley i am one part of the wet seat podcast former aspiring sex, sex educator and <laughs> sex therapist but now i currently work in the world of advertising and i live in la and i think maybe when i'm 45 i might pursue sex therapy in like a better degree but for right now i am coasting on oh that advertising God. life <laughs> it's a hard it's, until you're 45 it oh, is yeah. a hard hard it's a like a difficult road to become a sex therapist so and a lot of a lot of stigma which yeah. i can talk about so kudos to Jean. i just envision <laughs> that you would like call me up every like every other meeting and be like am i being a bitch if i tell this person this which is precisely what ashley did like last week <laughs> so susanna introduce yourself without throwing me under the bus please <laughs> i i know no other way <laughs> Um, okay, me, I'm Susanna. What do I want to share? Yeah, I'm an actor. I don't know, it's COVID, so that's a really confusing identifier at this point. Primarily because I'm a stage actor, and so my part of the industry has been really really offline for the last year. But yeah, I'm a very physical performer, but my day job right now is in the world of podcasting. Actually, I'm working for a podcast startup, so I'm doing kind of, I'm basically doing voiceover work for them. Oh, I live in New York with my cat, Pussy Willow, whose name inspired the aforementioned Pussy Palace that we lived in in college. Good times, good times, except for, like, the part where we lived above a very angry landlord who hated us. Oh, my God. <laughs> but it's may she rest really, in peace, because I assume she's dead It's shocking. <laughs> I mean, if nothing else, Can COVID you imagine Miss B her, reacting right? to COVID? Yeah. 
Truly, that's... Ooh. Our landlord was a very old lady who lived underneath us. Do not live above your landlord, especially if they're over the age of 70. We just as like a general young. rule of thumb. Yes, we learned that uh, They were so respectful. But next door was a neighbor who had lived across from her like oh all of God. these years, yeah. and they were equally old. And they like hated each other, but they still like had no other friends. And so our neighbor would tattletale to our landlord about our behavior on like a regular basis she told maria that jeff couldn't come over or had to start paying rent if he came over more than twice a week yes <laughs> backpack boy as he was described by the neighbor backpack or the boy with the backpack <laughs> oh my god more than twice a week like what the that's fuck that's what she said because like she was like if he's sleeping over more than twice a week he's got to start paying rent Oh, man. And then you were Good like, time. yes, Miss B, but I'm also gone two days a week. Thank you. So, no. no. Yeah, exactly. Wild. Wow. Truly wild times. Like, we were like, what, 20, 21 years old when we lived there? We were definitely 20. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was 20. Yeah youngster for all the aforementioned reasons it seemed like a really perfect idea for us to talk about just the premise of the sex therapy in sex education because i feel like sex education is like the team drama equivalent of like everything we were just talking about it's literally like ashley is otis yep if we were in high school and all lived in the same town yep equally so like you know in the same way that otis and sex education was like kind of giving advice without having any actual experience and also having a lot of issues that he was working through i similarly had the same situation where like i wasn't even like the most sexual adventurous person i hadn't gone through a lot of concerns and also i also like notably couldn't i like shocked the world when i was like i don't really orgasm <laughs> And, uh, and yet people still came to me for sex advice. They were like, that's fine. This girl can't make herself come, but I'll ask her about how to make me come. Like people still. <laughs> Literally, yeah. I mean, did somebody- It's true. Like... It was a big revelation. No, I remember because we were uh, sitting in that, pla that place where the, the echo happens and we were really loud, so. Yeah, and I, I think it's because maybe I did just have, I had raw knowledge, not necessarily about the pleasure aspect, but about more about the health aspect. I think that people more so sought me out for questions about like why is my discharge smelling funny yeah, you know <laughs> i mean that's that's real that's a real concern that and i can definitely answer that i can definitely answer that you <laughs> you're know? like an i the answer so <laughs> but i thought that like being that this premise of this show is that there are gaps in sex education curriculum we should like talk about what our sexual education experiences were before we got to college and we could have Ashley Cunningham as our, you know, sexual guru. Uh guru. <laughs> yeah. For me, I can start because I have kind of a funny one. So I'm in New Jer I grew up in New Jersey. So we had a pretty like standard, like good for a heteronormative like sex education curriculum. But mm -hmm. like the, the year that we really went hard with the sex stuff, my teacher was somebody who had gone to college with my dad because my dad went to the nearby college as an undergrad for physical education. 
which he did not go into. But, you know, my teacher did, obviously. And so she was like, oh, I remember Nikki. Wow. And then, like, two minutes later, she has a finger condom on as she explains that we should be, you know, like, using finger uh, condoms, which uh, I've never in my life seen someone use. Finger condoms? Yes. I will, that's one of my most... No. Yep. And I just remember her with it no, on her no, finger. No, no, no. Those are only used for food service. Yep. So that's what I was taught. And, you know, it's like we got that, but, like, if you were a gay man, you didn't get any useful information in sex ed class, but we we were told to use finger condoms. Yep. That's wild. Yep. I didn't know that at yep. all. Like, uh, I have never, I mean, you know, coming from like an, I guess, wait, I wouldn't learn about finger condoms because mine was all abstinence-based. And so even a finger mm. condom wouldn't be abstinence. Nope. Nope. You can't have someone poking down there, not in front of Jesus. <laughs> no. <laughs> But yeah, Ashley, that's a great, great transition. So Ashley, how was your sex education in Arkansas? <laughs> uh, my sex, sex education, which you can hear all about in like over and over and over again in the wet seat. It was all abstinence-based. I famously had to sign in the sixth grade, which is like the year that you get like the like the sex education course, which was like a few weeks. Like we would just essentially have a class period where like we went and learned about sex ed, but technically the sex ed, because it was all abstinence-based, we were given at the very end of the course, we had to sign cards that were like, I will stay abstinent until marriage for like these reasons why. And the reasons why were things like, I don't want STDs. I, I respect myself. You know, I want to stay special for my future husband or slash, you know, spouse. Yeah. <laughs> and, but because of this extremely unhelpful information, because they wouldn't even supply, because it's abstinence based, they won't teach you about scenarios where you're actually having sex, yeah. right? They're only teaching you scenarios about how to avoid sex. And so because of that, it was all very STD focused. And then it was also famously like a good indication of what we learned. When I walked out of sex ed class, I turned to my friend and I was like, what? I don't understand how you can get an STD from oral sex. And uh, she was like, what do you mean? And I was like, well, you're just talking on the phone because they didn't actually <laughs> define what oral sex was. Wow. They said that you could get STDs from oral sex. And so my you know, sixth grade brain was like oral, oral communications. In oral communications, we talk. <laughs> and so I totally thought it was phone sex. And uh, it was very confusing to me that you could like spread disease through the phone. Um, and, what did your friend uh, say? She, I think she was just embarrassed for me uh, because <laughs> I... She knew. She, I think she did know. But I think it was indicative of, like, how little they actually said Yeah. in totally. terms of, like, explaining things. They just had, like, w lingo. It was all lingo, right? And I just was like, I don't know what this lingo means. Because they didn't want you to. So funny. Yeah. Uh, but, like, Susanna, I think you're, like, probably very well-rounded. Me? Oh, God, no. My sex education was, let's see. So we had our first bout of sex education in fifth grade. And, well, okay, going back even further, a person who I probably shouldn't name because their family is in the public eye, because that's how growing up in D.C. works, taught me about sex when I was five years old. By which I Fun. mean simulated sex on me under the playground when I was five years old. Yeah. Oh, boy. Um, so that was my first, my first real intro. Then in fifth grade, we had the real, like, let's talk about sex, baby. Um, but for some for some reason, I was sick on the first two days of this sex education. 
And so I came in on day three and my, she must have been 55 or 60 year old fifth grade teacher. Her tactic was to just get us to repeat the names of like different parts of the sex organs, like over and over and over again until we stopped laughing. So I show up on day three and everyone has had like two full days of being like penis, 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 vagina, vagina, <laughs> vagina. <laughs> it's still funny. So I showed up and was like, this is hilarious, but had to stifle my laughter because I was days behind. Um, the only other part like, of oh that God, experience so that I remember immature. is, <laughs> yeah, totally. The only other part of that experience I recall is that the girls and boys were then segregated at a certain point, I think, so that the boys could... I don't know what the boys learned about, but the girls were, like, shown enormous plus-size tampons and maxi, maxi, maxi pads. Were um, you shown what was going to get put yeah, and I just remember a my... exam? Because we were, like... Oh, God, I don't recall that. We did, though, but then... So then my next recollection of sex ed this is really so sad that i remember like two things was then in seventh or eighth grade in the health class quarter of our you know year of gym class my health teacher mrs kleiss no sorry miss kleiss who was 100 percent gay which <laughs> yeah. i don't know if we understood that on a cognitive yeah. level but we understood that on a vibe level you know we had to watch a birthing video and I th i'm sure there were like condoms and bananas the thing i do recall though is her describing a dental dam which in in retrospect is so funny because she probably was like i can't believe i have to tell them what a dental dam is nobody in their right mind uses a fucking dental dam which is the truth yeah we definitely learned about dental dams too i mean finger condoms dental dams <laughs> all kinds of things that no one was going to use no. I think that sex education is kind of a radical act. And I, I think like the series, I was talking to Susanna about how like I completely binged both of these seasons in like 48 hour periods. Like I was very yeah. fast, not only because I mean, I think our really, it's just really fucking funny, but yeah. I think it just like, it's dedication to like really flushing out like Maria, when you listed out all the different topics that this show covers, I know I had it to. was almost, it was just so funny. Cause I was like, how? How could this show like squish so many different like sex education and sex acts into like, I don't know, 12 episodes? Yeah, two seasons. <laughs> yeah. And, like there's going to be another one in October. A couple weeks after recording this episode, it was actually revealed that sex education season three will be coming out in September. So like there's more coming. <laughs> And the remarkable thing, too, is, like, these are all things that we now, you know, have some basis of knowledge for. So then my question for myself is, like, wow, at what point along the way did I learn about these things? Because it definitely wasn't in school. Yeah. And, I mean, I, obviously a part of it was, like, in doing the wet seat and just, like, being in college and having sex with different people and having things go in a variety of different directions. But it's just, it's wild to actually... To be like, whoa, if I had gotten this information up front, I wonder what would have changed. Yeah. I think in a weird way, it kind of showcases that like a sex education program cannot actually be the ultimate teacher. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like you can't yeah. actually build a curriculum of everything. Or maybe you can. Maybe that's me being pessimistic. <laughs> but I don't even think, I can't remember. By the end of season two, it fails, right? Um... Jean doesn't get what she wants. I mean, I don't, it's kind of unclear, I feel like, because 
what the principal like has his freak out which i think we're gonna watch because i wanted to watch the sex musical just because it's like amazing and oh, I, perfect, yes. I feel like the perfect ending to our to our podcast but he gets kind of run out of the school like they're like you're going crazy like you got to get out of here so i don't know what mm. the fate of gene is because he used to be the one who would decide whether you're right she... so i don't know if that's really known but I was known that yeah. Otis like did the sex education publicly and so like is he gonna continue or him and me is gonna be able to continue I feel like that's also in question right now but I think the ethics of that is also in question right like yep. he could be giving bad advice and I think I mean as someone who did used to do that I did give people advice that I kind of only marginally knew about like I I knew because I read a lot and I knew Maybe I think that I didn't even have more knowledge than the people that I was giving advice to. I think that I was just an open space. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think also, really... Ashley, one of the things that's similar about you and Otis is that less so than the concrete sexual advice, what you were often providing people with, I think, was a sense of their own worth and holding holding almost like a moral and emotional space for people to process whatever sexual thing is happening because that's ultimately the role that otis plays he's just like he doesn't necessarily know the technical side of things mm -hmm. but he does have the eq to be like someone should not be making you feel like shit. like these choices are yours and yours alone to make or you need to have a conversation with your partner or 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 yeah yeah, yeah. i feel like i was just coming from the place of like maybe i just made people feel better because they knew that like i didn't have any information so i had to fight for all the information <laughs> you know like i couldn't like my mission in life when i started talking about sex was just that like i thought the shame was stupid yeah like i was like uh, I don't know if I told you guys this. I don't know if I ever said this on the wet seat, but like the first time that I ever was like, I like talking about sex. We were on a choir trip and we were playing Never Have I Ever. Ooh. And the Never Have I Ever was like, Never Have I Ever had sex in a wheelbarrow position, which is an insane position that I, you know, to this day, I'm not even sure if I want to do that. Yeah. And, um, I'm sorry. And I, just, just to be like really daft here, is like, are your legs literally in the air and then your hands are on the floor? Like, you are the, yeah, like whoever is like being penetrated is the wheelbarrow and like is being yeah. like held up by their legs. Um, it just sounds like that. more effort than it's worth. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and so someone said that, and a girl who was older than me was like, put her finger down. And Damn. everyone else kind of shamed her for it. Oh. They kind of were like, I'm more you know, like, because, <laughs> well, because everyone else in the room was like barely kissing. Yeah. And so it was like right. an immediate, like, and so afterwards, I went to talk to her about it. Like, I was like, tell me more about the wheelbarrow position. And like, she just had this like huge sense of like relief. Like she kind of wanted to talk about it, right? But like everyone else was uncomfortable that she had done it. Whereas like, I was the only one who was like, let's talk about how you were in a wheelbarrow position. <laughs> <How> did... <laughs> tell me the logistics of how that works exactly oh that's amazing yeah one thing i have in my notes that's funny and it's more of a reference to your thesis is that there's that scene where eric and lily are hanging out and lily like comes on to him and he's like i'm gay and she's like "Ooh, can we watch gay porn then and he's like you don't want to watch gay porn and she's like yeah i do and i'm like that's actually <laughs> yes i've like had someone recently brought this up i peaked in college 
um writing no i totally did i i read i reread the thesis and i'm like i don't think i could write this well anymore (laughs) just because i'm out of it you know what i mean yeah um but yeah i have an 80 page thesis about women who watch gay male porn and why specifically they watch gay male porn which is that like it's kind of like an escape from the gender anxiety of watching like just you don't have to think about whether there's like complex dynamics happening with like the female performers if they're not there and there's a ted talk about it if anyone wants to go search for it if you type in tedx and like women and gay male porn i pop on up i do get weird linkedin messages from people i got a message from someone that said it's people like you that make like this world worth living kind of thing about my like tedx my god Wow. And I was like, that is I was like, incredible. sir, sir, while I'm flattered, I deleted it. I did not respond. Yeah. Uh, but I was like, sir, like, while I appreciate the notion, I, I, what's also funny is like, if anyone goes back and watches that, I was really, really nervous. And so like halfway through the teleprompter fucks up and I like have a moment where I'm like silently on stage. And uh, it's very funny because all the YouTube comments are people that are actually very supportive and they're like, she really powered through. Oh. <laughs> That's nice. That's nice. That's a good, really surprisingly positive YouTube moment. That's very sweet. No, I think it's funny because it's like after all the YouTube comments are like, I really like what she's saying, but she clearly is nervous out of her fucking mind. (laughs) (laughs) Accurate. Yeah. But yeah, game out. I mean, I think it's more of a. I feel like even from what that was like five years ago now, since I like wrote that, I feel like I. I feel like that's almost mainstream knowledge. Yeah. at this point mm. yeah or maybe there's just more of an acceptance that it's like that women are into that i don't know yeah or that women are just into a larger myriad of things than traditionally yes maybe that's just it yeah. it's like there's just less of a there's less of a like a box in terms of like what kind of porn you're into yeah exactly and so yeah i think it's really interesting how the show goes from like you know the wayward sex advice of otis in season one and then like they insert gene into the school in season two so that they're kind of like competing with each other um yes. but to start i thought we would watch these really short like sex advice montages that happen first in season one with otis beginning to give sex advice and then another one in season two when gene starts to give sex advice and there's like some of the same people yeah with the same problems and i'm just like this show so like the continuity is just amazing i got also the the ruthie the lesbian like i feel like if you were gonna play anyone in this uh susanna you would be ruthie you know the one who teaches him Wait, the, which one is ruthie she teaches him how to finger well she's basically like hey go talk to your partner about fingering when he tries to like show her on the oh i vaguely remember that she's like really condescending to otis and like it's just it just really like works <laughs> <laughs> All right, we can... Very on brand. Yeah, I yeah. would be extremely condescending. Yeah, you're just like, you're a teenage boy trying to tell me my, my sex life. Like, fuck off. Like. <laughs> I'm really freaked out by bum holes. Now, I know it's a sensitive issue, but I heard you can help me out. I can pay you if... Um, can I get back to you? Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm addicted to wanking. I'm kind of doing it right now. Can you help? No private <laughs> conversations, please. <laughs> Is it weird that I always think about the queen when I can't? It worked! The sex worked! Alright, I think that's about all we needed. 
Um, and I also think it's interesting, the concept of the sex pretzels, like that once people like were given an opportunity to like talk about their sex issues, they like took it, which really goes mm-hmm. with what you were saying, Ashley, about like, you know, wheelbarrow girl. <laughs> yeah, it had very, I had like, it was, I had nothing to actually provide to the conversation. Yeah. I was just living. But I mean, the huge thing about like sex education, I feel like in general is like, I think a lot of these topics have to do with like LGBTQ plus uh, like scenarios in a lot of cases, because like that is absolutely incomplete. There is no talk of anal at all from like a sex education perspective. Yep. Which is like a big issue because there's so many things, which we're going to definitely talk about the douching plotline, because I think that's why that's such a, you know, like revolutionary thing to have a like education about. It's just like you're not giving an entire subset of teens like any information about their actual lived sex life at all. And that's insane. Yeah. Do we have any idea how that's happening with like, well, I don't even know what the youngest generation is called below Gen Z. I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know. Has it changed? It would would seem, based on the way Gen Z is, that they would be demanding that it change, considering how many of them are queer. But, um, I don't know. But in a weird space, like, you know what's funny is, like, I feel like some of my greatest sex education teachers, right, were YouTubers. And that's probably even more true. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, Like, at at the time when I was growing up, there's like, one YouTuber. And now I will not even say her name because she got, like, red-pilled or whatever. But, you know, she was basically, like, your only option for sex education at the time when I was growing up. Yeah, and I feel like kids really watch YouTube now, even, like, as just a regular baseline thing. So, yeah. Um, On stat, half of teens get all of their news from YouTube. See, there you go. So now we're going to watch once Gene enters the situation. I guess just to, like, introduce the Gene plotline as we go farther in, is that when season two opens, there's a chlamydia hysteria because literally only, like, two or three people actually have chlamydia. (laughs) But, like, there's a complete misunderstanding throughout the community of how chlamydia spreads. And so hilariously, they all are wearing masks which is like, you know, fucking hilarious now that there's just people that walking around wild. with masks that they're not supposed to be wearing because of a public health misinformation campaign. Like, just too ironic for words since it was pre-COVID. <laughs> but because of that, there's like this like emergency meeting where Gene ends up standing up and kind of like just like setting the record straight and being like, none of what you're saying is correct. Like, this is how chlamydia like actually transmits. It's sexually, by the way. <laughs> like, <laughs> you can't get it from like, you know, breathing on each other, um, even though ironically you can get mm-hmm. it that way. Um, and then she's just kind of like, you know, there's a Jillian Anderson line that screams, Ashley Cunningham. But with, with all due respect, sir, your curriculum isn't working. As a sexual health professional, may I suggest that you look into tailoring your program to give our teenagers the correct tools to be able to free themselves from this unwarranted stigma. And what exactly are those tools? The three T's. Trust, talking, and truth. <laughs> Gene ends up um, in the school basically to study the sex education curriculum and see where the gaps are and get to know the children and what their problems are. And that basically sets her up as another Otis, as we will now see. If I can cut my clitoris really, really hard, I can come. 
17 times a day is quite excessive. I know. I want to experiment with roleplay, but he's only just become comfortable with dirty talk, so how soon is too soon? You won't know unless you ask. You always need to wash your penis. Always? Always. I just think that's so fucking funny that that same guy shows up twice and also that guy's really creepy but that's real those people exist <laughs> you do they need do. to wash you do, do need to wash your penis mm -hmm. you know what's funny though is like i feel like there's a lot of misinformation about washing your vagina yes uh, oh my because god because there's lots of things that yeah. are marketed to people to be like this is what you use to like wash your vagina and doctors are like actually just soap and water yeah like don't, just... go, don't go crazy don't go crazy yeah. Your vagina knows what it's doing, like largely, like it's cleaning itself. It's literally regulating its own environment all by itself. Don't fuck with it. <laughs> there is one like sex question I got asked one time that was like, why does my vagina smell weird after I have sex? And I was like, well, is there cum inside of you? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, well, uh, it's going to take a few days for that to regulate out. So... <laughs> I was like, you don't have anything if you're, the smell only happens after you have sex. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, there's, there's a very yeah, clear pattern seriously. there. Yeah. And I just, like, love how she also just, like, talks about how there actually needs to be, like, female pleasure in the curriculum. Because I think those are the biggest things yeah. that are missing are, like, LGBTQ inclusion as far as including all the sex acts that could happen and actually talking about female pleasure. <laughs> So true. Yeah. Okay. And I also like just think that Jillian Anderson is like a god and I could watch all of her scenes forever and ever. Oh. I just am like the idea of her like yes. telling me that like 17 times a day is excessive <laughs> is is I'm like I could listen to you say that all day. <laughs> So true. Did you see that ASMR video they put I also out of her love this is like I just love also that her relationship with sex, like we actually get to see that. It's not a perfect relationship. Like she has trouble emotionally engaging. I think that's a really wonderfully nuanced part of yeah, just of her character development. Yeah, and she has trouble setting boundaries with her son too. Like some major problems of that. For like a sex therapist, it's kinda like oh, girl yeah. <laughs> girl, like why are you snooping in your son's room? Like so yeah, that is really interesting and like just like totally. shows that like therapists are imperfect beings who don't necessarily always follow their own advice. And then she gets pregnant without realizing too at the end of season two. Like where we leave her in season two, she's pregnant. So Oh my god, I forgot about that. Yeah. So like talk about like you're being a sex and relationship therapist and you don't even realize that you're preggers like that's pretty funny <laughs> uh, all right so then i thought as we're about to talk about like some of the best best i guess most representative really cool that they did that sex taboos uh, i thought we would talk about the opening scenes as a concept because like most of the sex taboos end up being introduced via those like opening scenes that just like drop you right into the middle of a sex scene and usually like a really realistically like bad sex sex scene whether that be because like these people are like you know fumbling around in the dark and accidentally hurt each other or you know somebody can't finish um there's like so many different ones that we see there's definitely a few where it's like not exactly a sex scene but it's usually a scene that's like related to a sex issue that one of the characters is gonna face in the episode so like the first episode is like adam and amy like fucking and then adam just like not finishing and that's like where you're dropped in so i always yeah. just thought that was really cool and interesting and then i i th think it's 
awesome how this they, them doing that allows them to like center a lot of the side characters and so even mm. if somebody's being a bully like in one episode mm. like you're probably gonna find out about their embarrassing you know quote-unquote embarrassing sex issue like two episodes later you know so i appreciate that like no one is right, too like, good to not be like you know an opening sex scene at some point <laughs> right like sex anxiety is like right kind of everyone is a teenager experience. too yeah I mean, I think a lot of times the, like, mean girl characters and stuff are, like, really, like, untouchable in these kinds of shows, and they're not. They're just, like, you know, it's my vagina girl was, like, the popular mean girl. Like, <laughs> and, then, and also because of that, like, sometimes you get, like, introduced to characters via their sex lives, which is hilarious, too. So I thought that before we got into some specific scenes that I, as, as Ashley discussed, I'm going to, just because we think it's amazing the sheer magnitude of issues that they've been able to cover in just two seasons, I'm going to list all of the sex issues I could identify from my notes. And honestly, it's possible I missed one. So let's just say that. <laughs> it could be incomplete. So these are some of the sex issues that were Incredible. discussed in the first two seasons. Faking an orgasm with your partner because you're having trouble finishing insisting on having sex in the dark because of body image issues smushing your partner's face with a pillow because you think your cum face is ugly having your first wet dream figuring out how to communicate what you want sexually to your partner figuring out how to fulfill your partner's need for dirty talk being comfortable with the way your vagina looks learning how to give a blowjob without puking on your boyfriend's dick <laughs> newly out lesbian best friends in a relationship <laughs> learning they aren't sexually compatible Realizing you're asexual, realizing you're pansexual, realizing you're bisexual, desperately trying to lose your virginity, learning how to finger, learning how chlamydia actually transmits, <laughs> learning how to douche for anal sex with your partner, the issue of getting sexually harassed in public and or assaulted, learning that no means no, realizing you have vaginismus, vaginismus? Am I saying this correctly? Vaginismus. Vaginismus, yeah. okay. Experiencing slut shaming, having an abortion, and having to take plan B after having drunk, unprotected sex. That was 22. Like 22 wild. sex topics. <laughs> Damn. And there are not 22 episodes. No, there are currently 16 episodes. <laughs> 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 so obviously there is like no universe in which we could have covered all of those in one podcast because we could talk about it for, you know, 16 episodes. But I, I wanted to just list them out so that if, I mean, I'm sure if you're listening to this, you agree with us that this is just an amazing feat, and we're very excited to see what sex issues come in season three. But I just, I love how real so many of them are, and how it's, like, so easy to see yourself in at least, like, one of them, you know, like, over the seasons. Yeah, so let's, let's watch the first one. So I thought that we would talk about the Florence asexuality plotline, which I think from being, you know, heavily on fandom, Tumblr in general, I know that like this plotline made a lot of people feel really like actually represented and included for mm -hmm. a community that I think does not get represented, even within the LGBTQ community sometimes, like, you know, IA community. <laughs> Yeah, uh, totally. Mm -hmm. End of the alphabet. Command worthy is hand. This holy shrine, the gentle fine is this. My lips, two blushing pilgrims, ready stand to smooth that rough touch with a tender kiss. Good pilgrim, you do wrong your hand too much, which mannerly devotion shows in this. For saints, stop. Florence, this is a play about horny teenagers. I don't believe you want to have sex with him at all. And Jackson, you're a terrible actor. I don't think you're supposed to talk to us like that. I'm not a teacher. <laughs> True. 
Oh, it's Romeo. Shows the tights. <laughs> yeah, I borrow your dad's. <laughs> Juliet is the role of a lifetime for me, so you better learn your lines. This isn't a joke to everyone. I have no idea why they gave him the part. It's terrible. Just a Jetty. Who cares if he can't act? Now I heard since he broke up with Maeve, he'll basically have sex with anyone. Oh, it's not really my type. No one's ever your type. You're so picky, Florence. Poor Maeve. Baby girl. I think it's just like, I don't, I cannot literally even think of another television show with asexual representation. No, me either. And, and I think, I don't know if, maybe as we like go through these clips, I'll like remember, but I feel like even by representing her, she kind of comes off as like a cold. I think like the issue with like, like it's like seeing asexual representation that doesn't come off as like, cold and unfeeling because that's the association right totally. like if you're asexual then like there's something mm. like you're just like a robot is kind of like maybe the like stigma yeah i think there's also the association of being like an somehow antisocial or weird yeah and the fact that they cast such a traditionally pretty young woman in that role i think also is like this could be anyone you don't know who is feeling this yeah. way yeah, I'm like the star of the show. Like she's like the romantic lead and in, you know, the the musical and the way that she describes her I mean, I think she's about to describe herself, um, like as far as an actor in this next scene, but like I feel like you would just think like, oh, if someone want like, you know, being a romantic lead is like such a like like thing you wanna like aspire to as an actor, theoretically. So like I think it's interesting how that plays into it too, which I'm sure Susanna, you will have thoughts about. Yes. All right. So this is like round one of her trying to figure out what's going on, which Otis is just, you know, as far as the whole misinformation thing, I feel like he's just not up for the task for this one. <laughs> so, tell me what the problem is. You probably heard I'm playing Juliet in the school play. Uh, congratulations. Anyway, I thought it was a play about love, but apparently it's all about sex. And now the whole cast seem to be thinking about sex every second of every day. So you're not ready to have sex, but you're feeling a pressure from your peers to keep up with them. I don't want to have sex, but sometimes I think I should just do it so everyone will shut up and stop making me feel like a freak. Well, try not to think about what other people are doing. Run your own race, and when you meet the right person, I'm sure you'll be ready. You're worried these concerns might affect your performance. <laughs> I'm the best actor in this school. I'm basically Meryl Streep, but young. <laughs> and Scottish. <laughs> that's, uh, that's Florence attempting to, you know, get sex therapy advice from Otis, and I really feel like he fails. I just love that she, like, she doesn't say it a second time, but he assumes that when she says, I don't want to have sex, she means right now. Mm -hmm. And I think it's pretty clear, like, already in that clip that she's like, no, I... I don't want to have sex, period. And he's sort of too wrapped up in his own stuff to be able to see that distinction. And also, I do think that she's totally bluffing at the end when she's like, it's not going to affect my performance, when it clearly is. Like, yeah. It's a roadblock in the rehearsal room that she doesn't know how to find her way around. And I think that she cares about it more because of her performance. Because, like, obviously, if she doesn't care about sex, like, she doesn't want to have it. Like, the only thing that's going to make her actually, like, start looking into it is, like, oh, no, this might actually affect my ability to, like, do what I love. Like, like, um, and I feel like that's what makes her feel right. like she's incomplete in some way, which is, like, not true. But it's, like, this missing piece for her performance. So, poor babe. <laughs> poor gal. Okay. So then she talks to Jean. Like Meryl Street, but Scottish. <laughs> Jean is actually helpful because she's a licensed sex therapist, you know. <laughs> I don't want to have sex, 
Okay. <laughs> Do you want to have a seat? <laughs> Not having sex is a valid choice, and you shouldn't have sex unless you... No, I don't want to have sex at all, ever, with anyone. I think I might be broken. Okay. Why don't you start by telling me how you feel when you think about having sex? I don't feel anything. I have no connection to it. It's sort of like I'm surrounded by a huge feast with everything I could want to eat, but I'm not hungry. Mm. Do you know what asexuality is? It's when someone has no sexual attraction to any sex or gender. Sex just doesn't do it for some people. But I still want to fall in love. Well, some asexual people still want romantic relationships, but they don't want the sex bit. And others don't want either. You know, sexuality is fluid. Sex doesn't make us whole. And so, how could you ever be broken? Thank you. Anytime. She is so much better than sex kid. She is so much better than sex kid. <laughs> Yeah, when I was watching, rewatching, I totally teared up at that one. Um, yeah, it's so good. It's just so like affirming, and you know, I mean, obviously she does it for a living, but like, it's a, it's a beautiful scene for sure. Well, you know what's kind of wild is like I even start to think about in the concept of like you know, sex doesn't make us whole or whatever. Is like there's an entire industry dedicated to when people even you know, if you don't want to have sex, there is something wrong with you. And that even is from like a temporary capacity, right? Like mm, yeah. if people feel like you're not allowed to even have small instances, small times where like, if like you decide that you don't want to be having sex, then that's seen as like a medical issue that we have drugs for. And like a whole industry is dedicated to trying to fix. Like they, they released a, like a very flawed uh, essentially what was like marketed as like female Viagra for like pleasure. And it was like for people who like felt like they didn't want to have sex, but felt like they needed to. And yeah. it's also total, like it's bad science. Whoa. Like it's a bad pill. It's totally placebo, but uh, I don't know. It just uh, that even when she, you know, this a concept of like sex, not making you whole, like there's an entire industry and like all of our conversations are very mm. focused on this idea that like not wanting to have sex is like a medical problem. Right. And I mean, I think it's also equally tied to our inability to publicly or culturally have open, informed conversations about sex. It becomes this thing that everyone wants, but no one is talking about. So if you don't want it, obviously something is wrong, but we're not going to talk about it. So we're just going to feed you something to fix it. And I, I do wonder how much the sexual politics of in that sense are different in the UK, because they do feel like they're they maybe are slightly more open than we are. You know, like we're, we're obviously a really prudish culture. So I always wonder that. But yeah. Okay. So I thought we would go into um, what I think is one of my favorite little friendship plot lines, which is kind of all of figuring out she's pansexual at the same time Adam figures out he's bisexual and them kind of like bonding and, and having a nice little friendship about that. And oh, to preface this, like this scene that we're about to watch before this Ala, who is currently in a relationship with Otis has a sex dream at the beginning of the episode where Otis turns into Lily and she's like oh shit <laughs> do I like girls like have you ever had a weird dream oi I'm talking to you I don't dream everyone dreams no I've smoked too much <laughs> weed what about a sex dream about another guy I, I said I don't dream okay I had a sex dream last night about a girl, even though we didn't actually have sex. 
We just kissed. I just can't stop thinking about it. Dreams aren't real. <laughs> That's why they're called dreams. Do you think it means something if I'm having sex dreams about girls? I don't know. Go and ask Google like everyone else. Oh man, he's so clearly triggered by that shit. Like, it's just like, we get it, Adam. You do want to look at dicks. <laughs> I have like, he's you one know of what's my crazy characters. Oh. No, no, no. The asshole is one of your favorite characters. Yeah, because he's so broken. <laughs> not broken he's just like dealing with so much shit i mean he is a total asshole and abusive in moments and also clearly so distanced from what he wants yeah and any access to his own internal emotional life mm -hmm. yeah i hope that he makes some strides in the third season i feel like they kind of set him up to you know his whole declaration to eric and everything to enter a new phase of his sexuality but we shall see <laughs> Kind of scared for yeah, Eric. I just want to say, <laughs> I I love I love when I have sex dreams because uh, Ooh, yeah. uh, like I find it so <sighs> fun when it's just like comes out of nowhere and I'm like, why does it feel like people are touching me? I'm clearly sleeping, but my body <laughs> makes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i don't have them that often i do not have them that that often but like when i do it's always such like i i think that like i, I have like a great night if i have a sex dream because like i just think like psychologically that's very funny that my brain is able to do that <laughs> yeah right i always feel like they happen at the most random times for me and i wake up being like wow where the fuck did that come from well then i feel like all really represents you here because that's clearly her reaction <laughs> All right, so now Ala is going to take the advice of Googling it, I guess. Who do you notice more when you walk down the street? Men or women? Both. I thought everyone did. Well, yeah, I, I only notice girls. That's a lie. They're everywhere. <laughs> I'm a pansexual, apparently. What, like fucking pots and pans? <laughs> I knew a guy who used to like to stick his dick in the suction pipe of a vacuum cleaner. It's normal. Pansexual means that you're attracted to the person, not the sex or gender. Uh, it's about the connection you have with a human being, not with their genitalia. Huh. Kind of makes sense, actually. Doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> so that's that. And then later you see Adam continuing to be confused as he masturbates furiously to this poster that, since, you know, obviously you can't see, <laughs> has a very buff man with like a cigarette and like an open shirt. And he's like very muscular. And there's a woman with just her tits like, you know, pouring out. Like it's just like hot man, ha hot woman. Boring. Yeah, hot man on one side, hot woman on the other. And then, yeah, yeah, and then your mom calls, and then it's over. The wink sesh is over. It's but, yeah. <laughs> Yikes. I don't missed. miss those days. Yeah, I was going to say, as, like, a bisexual person, do you have any thoughts? <laughs> oh, no, I just mean I don't miss the days of, like, having your parent be like, can you come downstairs? Oh, and you're oh, like, yep, yeah, just, yep, yeah. yeah, let me just stop talking, yeah. whatever. No, that's very true. That's, yeah, oof, bad memes. I like how Maria thought that you meant that you were like you the days of like not being not knowing if you yeah, were if, you were like no, you were, just that I was really confused. 
Yeah, that doesn't confuse me anymore. Yeah, no, you're past, you're past. I mean, it's just like a teenage boy, at least. Like, if you really think about it, these kids are really learning a lot of shit really early, actually. It's kind of crazy. Totally. Okay, and then the final one I wanted to watch with these folks is, like, this little friendship scene where the person who Adam actually comes out to first is Eric, but, like, I think Ola is probably the second person he comes out to. And it's just kind of a nice scene that shows that they helped each other grow, which is always the kind of sweet stuff that I want to see on teen dramas. I, I, re I just like, really love when the friendships are given just as much weight as the relationships. And I feel like on this show, they do a really good job of showing like how nice and open it could be if you talk to your friends about sex. I didn't really talk to my friends about sex like that in high school, but I, I did in college, mm -hmm. uh, like y'all. And so I kind of like wish that I had friendships like this a little bit. What happened to the shop wasn't Adam's fault. The key wasn't working last time I used it. I forgot to tell you. It was my fault. If you're gonna fire him, you're gonna have to fire me too. This is true? Yeah. Yeah. Well, then you're both fired. Go on, get out of my shop. Go! Why did you do that? Because I love you, dude. Well, I know that I'm bisexual, but I don't like you like that. And I thought you were a lesbian now. You're into kitchen stuff or some shit. No, Adam, you idiot. You're my friend. I love you like a friend. Are you okay? No one's ever said I was their friend before. Oh. You can put me down now. Mm. Never change, never change, never change, never he is so small. Yeah, right? But yeah. Yeah, she is. Or he's just also very large. Yeah, I mean, I am a very small person who dates a really tall <laughs> man, so I can I can, hmm. I can dig that height difference. <laughs> <laughs> that what I love about Adam is actually just how he how that actor portrays him like the total over-the-top social awkwardness of going in for a hug is just so endearing on some level yeah I do appreciate a good redemption arc you know so hopefully that's the direction they're going in because you know these are teenagers and I feel like teenagers can be redeemed like we can't we can't decide that like humans are just like pieces of shit from the time that they're 16 and there's no hope for them because that's just depressing as fuck and just not true <laughs> true when i was a young i think tween actually because i don't know how, how old are you when you're in seventh grade are you literally 13 are you a newborn teenager i think so yeah because that's when that's when bar 12 are you 12 13 yeah 12 going on 13 because bar and bat mitzvahs usually happen in seventh grade so. yeah uh, when I was that age, I learned the very hard lesson of never write anything bad about anyone in an AIM. Oh, yeah, totally. Because they can <laughs> print it out and then show the so person true. that you talk bad about. Yep, yep. <laughs> that's a thing. I guess that's not really a thing for teens now. Oh, so it's, bad. I'm sure there's some other way that they do that, though. <laughs> it's, yeah, you don't, don't bad talk people in writing. Yeah. Don't do it. DMs? Yeah. All right, so then the next thing I wanted to talk about is Lily Vaginismus. She really has, like, from the very beginning, quite an arc about her sexuality, where, like, the whole the whole first season leading up to this last episode of the first season, she's just, like, desperately trying to have sex with anyone she can. She tries to have sex with Eric. She tries to have sex with Otis. Like, she just wants to get her first time, like, over with. And then at the dance, she finally finds someone who's DTF, as she says herself. And then, you know, we're going to watch the scene of what actually happens when she finally tries to have sex for the first time. Galaxy, at last, we meet. Lord Zortan, I've been expecting you. I've traveled across four universes to fuck. 
Let's do this, you <laughs> cosmic hunk. Get to the sex. Oh. <laughs> ow! Ow! Ah. What's wrong? Nothing. Try again. Yes, yes. I think it's funny that she not only found someone who was like willing to have sex at a young age, but also someone who's willing to do like the most elaborate role play that I personally have ever witnessed. Yeah. Yes. Like the production design on just her sex life alone is like better than like anything I've ever been a part of. Like. <laughs> but yeah, so I did think that I should mention here that like there's so many different like reasons that that could happen to you i feel like like one could just be like a guy not you know or your partner not knowing that they need to like have you actually be ready before they just like penetrate you i feel like that's definitely something that teenagers mm -hmm. probably experience i wouldn't know i didn't have a teenage sex life <laughs> but i if i had had a teenage sex life would have had a really bad time because i had to get a hymenectomy when i was 18 i think i probably told you guys this because it happened right before i went to college so i was fresh on the brain when i met you what yeah I don't think I knew that. Yeah, I, so I finally went, I had really abnormal periods. And I was like, I don't want to have abnormal periods anymore when I go to college. So I was like, I'm going to go to the gynecologist. And they, they did the whole exam thing. And she was like, oh, holy shit. Like, you're like, like, basically my vagina. Like, I had never been able to get a tampon up there. And the reason why was because my hole was, like, so small. She said that if a teenage boy had tried to get his penis up there, it just would never have happened. Like, she said that to me point blank. And so I was scheduled for surgery and I got a hymenectomy. Like basically like the amount of hymen that there was was like blo like blocking the ability. Too much hymen. Too much, too much. And so, yeah, so I have like, you know, I've had my vag <laughs> operated on. <laughs> so does that just mean like, do they literally just make a, a one incision or are they like actually removing skin? I honestly don't or some know. Kind I was, you know, I was under, I was 18. I didn't ask any questions. Um, but <laughs> you went full. You were like, whatever needs wow. to happen. Yeah. Has I was kind of like, I was kind of like, not, not saying it, but I was like, I mean, I want to have sex. I was hoping I'd have sex when I got to college. So let's do what we got to do. Like, <laughs> but yeah, I just thought it was like when I saw that, I was right. like, oh my God, if I had actually found like a willing sexual partner that I wanted to have sex with and I was in high school before I had that done, that is probably what would have happened to me. Hmm. That's wild. Right. I did. I don't think you. You have magically actually <laughs> never mentioned this to That's Susanna so or I. That's so <laughs> yeah, I think I you're it. right. Yeah. Well, now you and the, my listeners know. <laughs> and so yeah, uh, let's see. <laughs> he goes to I think Otis first, obviously. So Otis tries to help her with this one. What well, seems to be my vagina has betrayed me. <laughs> okay. How exactly? <laughs> Finally, find someone who's DTF. And he can't get his average-sized dick in my stupid vagina. Why is this happening to me? Well, um... It just doesn't make any sense. I've worked so hard. The set, the costumes, the makeup. Everything was perfect. I couldn't even get my finger in there. It's like my vag has lockjaw. What do I do? Well, you use the word perfect. Maybe it's a way of staying in control. In your fantasy, you're in charge. Reality can be quite different. Nah, just like aliens. Do you like being out of control? I guess not. Like, I hate roller coasters. Me too. 
I do not like simulated danger. I guess I am kind of type A. <laughs> You're unconsciously halting your progress to stay in control. But I want to have sex, so why would I do that? I don't know. Another instance of Otis not being up to snuff yeah. when it comes to Giving advice for himself too. <laughs> well, I feel like it's because he's coming up against issues that honestly like really could have like multiple diagnoses. Like I feel like there are multiple reasons that you could be in this scenario. And the thing that I think mm -hmm. is interesting too is that like she finds out theoretically that she has vaginismus like off screen because it goes from like, do you guys remember the scene where they go like on a bike down the hill or whatever, where they don't come to that conclusion to then her saying she has it to her partner in the second season. So I think it's just one of those situations where like maybe she went and saw a doctor like actually, because like, I feel like, I don't know. I don't know that Otis can diagnose that one. <laughs> I mean, did you, guys, right. did you guys do an episode about, did you guys touch on this We have topic? two episodes. Yeah. I we have two say, episodes. Do you have anything you want to like say about like what it actually is? Cause I feel like I have no very little knowledge. Like I feel like you guys probably have more knowledge than I do. Well, I feel like actually the way that it's represented in the show is not, does not necessarily lead seamlessly to a vaginismus conclusion. Like, and not that it couldn't be vaginismus. Obviously, that's what she's diagnosed with. But just the fact that she's like, okay, skip right to it. Like, Heidi Ho, get your peen right in there. It's like, well, maybe you need to be relaxed. Maybe, you know, like she thinks she's all gung-ho. I mean, what Otis is saying actually does, I think, hold water in some sense, even if it doesn't totally resonate with her. You know, it's a muscle. You can't just go shoving shit up there willy-nilly. Yeah, exactly. But that yeah, is I unrelated, that... really, ultimately, to the diagnosis. Yeah. Yeah, I think the, the people, I mean... We do have two episodes of The Wet Seat dedicated to vaginismus. So go listen to um, them. And both both different experiences <laughs> and uh, wildly different experiences, actually, yeah. because it can be something that is actually more temporary and something that can actually be like triggered by a, in some cases, a traumatic experience. Mm -hmm. In other cases, you're literally just born with it. And it's something that you're going to have for the rest of your life. And it's something that you can go to physical therapy for. And in some cases, it will just go away one day. And yeah. so the two episodes we have are two very different experiences of someone who's like sought out physical therapy therapy for it and like is you know it's like an ongoing journey mm -hmm. and then the other person we spoke to it magically kind of cured itself uh wow, which yeah. was kind of like yeah. a wild situation i think the truth is that we just don't have a good grasp of i don't think that vaginal research is very well funded no way <laughs> Yeah, and so right. I think it is like <laughs> the definition. I mean, if you look up what vaginismus is, it kind of has a funky definition because yeah. I think it can like it can vary so widely. But like basically, if you at any point experience like vaginal lockjaw, yeah. that is literally it. And like there could be 15 different reasons why it's happening to you. Right. So no match for a teenage sex therapist by any means. Then in season two, when Lily gets together with Ala, Basically, they start having, you know, sex, and she learns about this aspect of Lily's sexuality. So they're the opening scene in the, the most recent episode of the show. Mm. Once again, the production design. <laughs> Get ready! <laughs> we got three million miles to reach on the moon. Ready? Yeah, 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 yeah! yeah. Did I do something wrong? No. It's not you, it's me. 
There's something called vaginismus. My vagina is like a Venus flytrap. If it makes you feel any better, I've got one hair in my <laughs> Can you cure <laughs> vaginismus? Lily shows Ala a case of pink dilators, which sort of look like almost like little dildos or vibrators and different sizes increasing from small to large. Apparently if I'm patient, I'll eventually be able to get the big one in. But for now, I can just get little Thumbelina up there. <laughs> Do you know why you have it? I think it's because I put too much pressure on myself. So you can't even wipe them? No, I do. <laughs> I do. I just keep to the outside. For some reason, if I'm touching myself, then I'm okay. Hmm. I have an idea. Now, now what are you better to get around here? Are we going to start stopping? Ready? <laughs> 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 honestly kudos for them because i think that mutual masturbation is something that like i think i don't know if most is a good but like it can definitely be something that even if you're with someone for years and years and years it's something that like people would be too uncomfortable mm. to ever bring up mm, i discovered mutual masturbation very early on Personally, that was never... kind of forced because my high school boyfriend moved across the country and then we ended up dating again so right. we were like doing long distance and it was like well we've got to solve this some way yeah that's the only time I've oh done I wasn't even, I wasn't thinking, I, it's so funny, I wouldn't even call that mutual masturbation. Yeah, kind of like, that's just phone sex to me. Like, that's, like, versus, like, I mean, like, masturbating next to each other when you- Well, but on video? Like, the choice of, the choice that you would want to, like, lay next to someone and, like, masturbate versus actually engaging with them, I think is also just right, a completely it's true. different concept. <laughs> yeah, totally. I think like is yeah. uh is something that I think like a lot of uh like sex therapists and sex educators actually say is like a really great way to actually understand like if you're having trouble getting your partner off, it's actually like a very effective mm. way of learning. Mm. Because you're like you see what they do themselves and mm. you're like, Oh kind of thing. Totally. And I just think it's so like lovely <laughs> that they were able to communicate and like find a way to still have sex, you know, in that way. Yeah. Um, despite her like, you know, I'm probably gonna have to voice over when I when I edit that she was showing di they're called dilators, right? I don't know what they're officially called. I don't called. know. I mean I read yeah. I, like what somebody in uh the Bughead fandom wrote a fic where like this was the like the premise of mm. it and they had di like they called it having dilators, so I just assumed that's what she had where you like are kind of trying to like get your vagina used to like more and more you know penetration yeah. and it goes up in size from what i understand it can take so, like any amount of time to in between like you just don't know like how long it's gonna take you so yeah oh um, i used to know a crazy stat i used to know a crazy stat about <laughs> what percentage of people have or will experience vaginismus at some point because right. it can be temporary right 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 mm. well i like think i technically conference. have experienced it okay at some point yeah with my high school boyfriend the first like when we first started having sex it was fine and then like the closer it got to him because he was a year ahead of me in school the closer it got to him leaving for college the harder and harder it became to the point where like he could no longer penetrate me 
And then, you know, ultimately, we ended our relationship when he graduated. And six months later or so, when he was in college, started that relationship back up. And when I I think we this is also on an early episode of the wet seat, Ashley, when I went and visited him, I was just like, you have to get over this like you he's slept with another girl in the meantime you need to go and like conquer whatever your fear (laughs) is and he is going to penetrate you and it's going to be fine and i did and we had great sex you know nice oh by the way as 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 an aside i cannot remember i think it's so vaginismus is the general term and then there's even more specific terms so technically one of the people we spoke with was vulvodynia which is okay yeah which i think is like i think how it works is like vaginismus is the umbrella term right and then there's there's technically like distinctions underneath. I don't think I'm wrong about that. Yeah, and then like the last scene in this plotline is very short, and it just shows Lily like making a stride in her with her uh, her dilators after her musical. little little victories you know love that uh i did just look up the stat by the way uh love it like women are more likely to experience vaginismus than breast cancer wow okay and like we can we consider breast cancer to be like a pretty pervasive thing that you could experience sometime in your lifetime yeah so there you go there's your stat yeah and (laughs) yeah i mean i think that sex education does a really good job of highlighting things that are really like prevalent but that we don't talk about openly enough and this is just like a prime prime suspect clearly for that conversation Mm -hmm. okay so yeah so the last one i wanted to talk about was on douching yeah (laughs) in our first sex education episode we discussed eric extensively and so he mm-hmm. kind of discussed Anwar as the other gay kid to hit, you know, which is kind of how they're framed. But now we're going to look at Anwar on his own as a sexual being, if you will. And the thing that is, I think is funny from the montage that we watched earlier is that he said he was like afraid of bum holes, I think, to Odin yes. at the beginning of season one. And so now we're in like yeah. toward the end of season two, where we pick up to see where his bum hole situation is. <laughs> I think we should have sex. We all have sex. <laughs> oh, you mean up the, like, uh, sex sex? Yeah. What are you doing? Waiting for you to put it in. Oh, did you already douche? I mean, unless you're cool with it maybe being a bit messy. Uh, no, of course I already douched. Because I like to be clean. <laughs> Speaking of clean, I am going to go wash my hands. Because that's how clean I am. No. Poor babe. Code red. Oh, you hate to see it. Sorry, I should. Hello? Help. I've been mugged. <laughs> Come now, it's an emergency. Hold on, wait, wait, wait. No, slow down, slow down. Don't move, I'll be right there. So, Olivia's been mugged. <laughs> Sorry, I've got to go. May I check? <laughs> yeah, of course, I hope she's okay. You know, people think you're mean. But you're actually so sweet. <laughs> okay, thanks. All right, see you. Bye. <laughs> yeah, he runs. He runs the fuck away. <laughs> so that's the opening. Poor kid. Scene. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that's what shows right there why 
like anal sex needs to be taught in school like jesus christ this poor kid at least like i mean obviously it's not true in an abstinence only situation like you ashley but i feel like at least in like the, the more comprehensive sex education courses like you at least like know the mechanics of heterosexual sex and like you know okay i'm supposed to use a condom like whether or not you actually do that's you know phone problem but you this is like a ba the basic mechanics of anal sex and he doesn't know it and he's ashamed that he doesn't know it it's just so sad even the even the meanest among us i also think like the only way i had actually like heard about douching growing up was douching your vagina yep. and it's what's interesting about that is like douching your vagina right, yeah, is not same. something that you should do no right bueno. like douching your vagina is like no bueno <laughs> and so i find that to be a confusing message because yep. it was like it's like the same word and it's also like related to genitalia but like something wildly different <laughs> yep the fact that he can't can't figure out how to navigate the rest of that interaction other than just like totally ditching is so telling because clearly he's just you know so worried about being humiliated i feel like yeah when you're a teenager you like never want to admit when you don't know something i mean like i think like i probably have that problem sometimes now too just being a stubborn person but i feel like when you're a teenager especially like admitting that you don't know something you're supposed to know is like the the scariest thing ever so now he's gonna admit it to Otis. yeah totally <laughs> my boyfriend wants to have sex. <clears throat> i told him i've done it before but i haven't and i'm freaking out okay well um what exactly are you afraid of i don't know how to douche i've looked it up online every website says something different listen to me i cannot under any circumstances shit myself oh. let me do some research and i'll get back to you also i'm having a small <laughs> gathering of friends at my house tonight <laughs> you would like to come what the fuck is this small gathering it's, 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 it's a small group be quick with the research <laughs> yeah hey. hey guys um weird question what do you know about anal douching? Um, not much, to be honest. I know about this. I will teach you. He's French. Of course he knows. <laughs> I love Raheem's just like sexy mm. French man. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Now, this is Raheem not teaching essential. him. If you eat a lot of fiber and empty your bowels regularly. Huh. Mm. If you've never douched before, it might be best to start with a simple bulb like that. So water in the bulb. If I'm not cooking roast chicken, what are people going to eat? Crisps. Check the tab. Hold the water inside of you for as long as you can. Sit on the toilet. And release. What about dips? But my guac is just bacteria and protective mucus in your anus. Yeah, he really he really schooled that. I think there might be a second. He knows about the mucus. Yeah, he like really knows his shit. It's like impressive. Oh yeah, here we go. I'm teaching Otis what to do. And then the fucking future of this pillow. They leave it on the board, these diagrams of like anuses being douched and the teacher is like, let me take a picture of this real quick for future reference. <laughs> so like in, in order even for the sex therapist to get the message to Anwar, he needs Raheem to teach him. Like, it's just like this whole, like, this is how this information passes. It's just through like whisper networks. Game of telephone. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like concerning because you don't want your sex information to be going through a game of telephone. <laughs> never comes out right <laughs> no but i do respect that he he didn't try to like give him a answer about douching before the research yes which has been the <laughs> are you speaking from personal experience ashley 
I actually, no, no, no. I was trying to think of like, have I ever given someone just completely incorrect information? And I don't think I did ever. I, I think that I, I would, I would definitely like not want something that was a, a lie that I knew of. I might have like spurted some wrong information. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, I'm sure you were not the only one doing that at Emerson College. Uh, so I'm sure you're okay. Well, Otis gets fucking trash at the party and throws up into a cup when he tries to give his information to Anwar. So that's not going to be a thing. So Anwar goes straight to the source to where he told you know. Hey, can I talk to you? It's really awkward, but I've been told you know about it already. You see, I need to know how to do Why can't you talk to your boyfriend about this? Look, I'm ready to lose my virginity, but it's embarrassing. If you're not ready to talk about douching with your boyfriend, you're definitely not ready to have this cock in your ass. <laughs> but like, yes, that's so true. Like, I love that piece of advice. <laughs> I feel like you get that advice. Like, I feel like that line has been said a lot in like teen shows about sex, and it's just so true. Like, you like, you know, if sometimes you're just not ready but i mean in this scenario he does end up talking to his boyfriend which we'll watch in a second but i i love how many times the answer has been like go talk to your partner because so many times that's the answer <laughs> like so much about sex is like like about communication with the person you're having sex with and like isn't just like a you know size fits all kind of thing <laughs> so true um, let's go to him talking to his boyfriend finally and taking the advice should we go on uh you know what i think i'm gonna stay for a bit actually Okay. Hey, um, I hope I didn't put any pressure on you about having sex. You know, we don't have to do anything you don't want to do. Oh, yeah, I know. Thanks. Right, well, I'll see you later. Okay, see you. Nick, I do want to have sex with you. I've just never done it before, and I don't know how to do <sighs> You should have said. I'm well, I didn't know how to do any of that stuff either. I'll show you if you want. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 All right. Let's go. Aww. <laughs> Finally had the conversation. And it builds. It builds. What a intimacy. sweet resolution. Bonding. <laughs> so we can just quickly watch the final scene with them, and then we can tie this up. I think they have a very short scene where you see that they have, you know, they're successful. Yeah, they're... Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. And Anwar, the, you know, bully of the school, loses his virginity. <laughs> but Ow. I just love, like, the growth, you know? We went from the beginning of season one, him being like, he's afraid of bumholes, and now he's learned how to douche his own bumhole. You know, someone else is coming into his. <laughs> like, it's just a whole, a whole good time. Communicating with his partner. Yeah, exactly. Uh. Just to finish things off, I thought that we would leave things where they ended up at the end of season two um, and maybe maybe we'll do a follow-up when season three comes out um perhaps of what they touched on there but i think in, in true sex education fashion this season pretty much the like final climactic events of the season end at this musical that is romeo and juliet but like you know lily's alien sex version of romeo and juliet so i just thought that, that would be a good way to, to end just some joyful sex musical Dick hands, vagina heads, all of the good things. Dick hands. Oh my god. The fact that they get away with it, like, oh my god. This would never, I mean, it would obviously never happen at any school, but it would especially, I feel like they do, like, weird musicals like this all the time on British TV shows. Like, they definitely get away with it. <laughs> more, more, get away with more than we do, at least. Okay. 
Kumikushio, Kumikushio. theater apartment had a budget right <laughs> yeah but i thought we'd watch the final little bit i think there's a little more sex stuff and then there's like the final kind of showdown with like mr groff and otis and gene which i think leaves us in a good place before season three so please Spunk. Rock is coming on. He's on. Stop the show! Stop! The show is over! Why are the Groffs ruining my show? <laughs> Colin, Colin! Because we're enjoying it! You're enjoying this filth! Well, it's supposed to be funny, sir. <laughs> you have all been corrupted by this woman! I mean, it is Jillian She's giving sex advice to your children, <laughs> filling their heads with dangerous nonsense. No, 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 that, that's not entirely true. She was explicitly told she was not here as a counsellor. I had no idea she would be so unprofessional. <laughs> Mr. Groff. She wasn't giving out sex advice. I was, and I, I shouldn't have been, because I'm 16 years old, and, well, I've only had sex once. <laughs> wasn't even very good, apparently. But, but my mum was here to listen to your problems and, and give you the advice that the school should have been giving anyway. What? My mum is an excellent therapist Aww. and she cares about people she only wants what's best for them which is why she's also such an amazing parent <laughs> well that's ridiculous <laughs> she reassured me that my labia is a normal length she really helped me accept myself and changed my life i fucked some warm fruit <laughs> and she said i wasn't weird <laughs> the children for god's sake children have they don't know what they too. want <laughs> this is all your fault <laughs> mr groff I need to see you outside. Immediately. Yeah. There's vagina heads just around him. I just like love that. Like he's doing all of this in the midst of vagina heads. <laughs> all right. And he goes back through like a vagina. It's completely head. ruined. Okay. The spot following him off. Yep. And so yeah. And so like he's basically told he has to take a leave of absence. So I don't know like if there's gonna be a new principal in the next season or like I assume there will be. But yeah, so now everyone knows that Otis was doing sex therapy and <laughs> Mr. Groff had a breakdown in front of everyone about the fact that teenagers have sexual desires, which is like, sir, you're a high school principal. Like, 
I think it's like most heights. I I don't know about you guys, but I feel like really? I never had a, I had never had a principal that seemed in touch with the kids. That's true. That's very true. <laughs> but it's just so funny. I mean, obviously him being a parent of a child at the school is probably part of his yeah. like intense. But it's just so funny, like the general concept of like adults being so scandalized by like teenagers having like you know sexual urges. It's like, were you a teenager? <laughs> right. Well, and also his own sex life is so, like, non-existent. I oh think there's God. also something happening there. I think Jean um, and, what is her name? Maureen, is that the name of uh, Mr. Groff's wife? Who leaves his ass, which is amazing. Um, but I think that her whole story just, like, shows what sex education without female pleasure does over decades like how many decades was it that she was like going clearly without having like true pleasure but then she was going years without even having whatever level of mediocre sex she had been having with her husband and finally she like got a vibrator and had an orgasm totally. and it was super beautiful but like it's like no one should have to go through that many years of <laughs> not being in touch with their sexuality to get there you know it was really hard to explain right. i was trying to explain to a co-worker who uh, like why call me by your name the music video like touched me deeply and like touched a lot mm. of people mm. deeply <laughs> and not in, in like beautiful beautiful ways <laughs> and i know i don't know how i like decided that this was but it just like it was a conversation where i was just like i was trying to put into words that like kind of unapologetic sexuality is mm -hmm. just something that I so value and it's something that like uh, is also prominent in most media that I consume <laughs> and it's really hard to explain to someone mm. who doesn't value that why it's special like I I completely had no idea how to connect with like if we showed this to someone who was repressed they would be like why do you enjoy this or like it's so hard to explain right uh, that it's like a sensation I don't know like I think that people because people just think it's pervy I don't know well, I guess we're a bunch of pervs, man. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> Definitely a bunch of pervs. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, anyone have any final thoughts? I just I just love this show, and I'm so glad that we could talk about all of the really taboo things that they're talking about. And honestly, really excited for Gen Z that they get to like grow up with teen shows like this. <laughs> so excited. Yeah. And so excited for myself that I get to experience a season three. It's so true that like I you know what something that I thought about while watching this show is like how much pleasure it kind of shows that like right sexual repression is through the decades it's through the generation. Yeah. And so like you can be completely validated and seen for the first time from this show for like teenagers and it just makes me wonder like when they're making the show like who they're really making it for like do we think that they made sex education for teenagers mm. or do we think that they made sex education for you know kind of a more I guess they just know I guess you make it for like 18 year olds but you just make it in a way that I think know, it's a mixed audience yeah, yeah I mean all teen I think like you know I'm obviously in a few fandoms and like 20 somethings like us are in so many of them people even older than us are in them like I do think that yeah it's just a genre genre that's so like escapist and like emotional and so I just feel like and especially so I think especially women of all ages are just like drawn to it because like I just like to be I like to see people grow and have nice journeys and kiss each other. And it gives me all of that. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. I think also in a weird way, in a weird way, I don't know, like, I guess I've never really thought about this before, but it's almost frustrating to watch like, uh, like shows that feature adults uh, going through similar, like, 
I don't know, going through where, like, you can tell they haven't grown as people. Mm -hmm. Like, you know what? There's TV dramas where, like, 45-year-olds are acting like 16-year-olds because they, like, weren't emotionally regulated and they're, like, are just now figuring themselves out. And I think I would rather watch teenagers figure themselves out and, like, become emotionally mature adults than watch adults flail. Yeah, like, that's too close to home. Like, I don't need to watch that. Totally. Absolutely not. Like... (laughs) I'm already doing it. It's like I'm currently <laughs> watching. Uh, I'm currently watching Hacks on yep. HBO, well, and I'm watching it's Full Grown. It's it's good, but I will say that like the, um, I mean, it, you're watching fully grown adults without any emotional maturity, and like they're okay, flailing. That's a lot. That's a lot. Okay. Good to and know. Good to know. and <laughs> you know, and that's or like you know, in the case of I'm mostly talking about like the the 23 year old who's on the show really like. I can't, I cannot handle, but you know, I think it's, it, yeah, it's freeing to watch. Like also it helps that these people actually look young for me. I really do appreciate when like a teen comedy drama, like casts appropriately. Yes, totally. Yeah. I mean, I love to joke that teen dramas are just 20 somethings cosplaying as high schoolers, but it is fun and refreshing when they're not. <laughs> I think it makes the sex, I think it makes the sex education more effective because yeah. if they were 25 year olds, then it would be like romanticized. Yeah, oh, that's true. That's definitely yeah. true. Yeah, totally. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you guys for coming on. This was super fun. Thank you. I feel like thank it's been so, so long since I actually us. watched the show. And so now I'm like, do I need to like binge watch sex education again? I mean, like my comfort binge watch. I know. Russian I doll. think I need to as well. Yeah. I mean, it's coming back in October. September, actually. So, you know, you mark your calendars. You could do a rewatch before it comes back pretty soon. Hopefully, you know, for my listeners, Ashley and Susanna will come again to talk to us about teen dramas in general. There's so much to talk about. So, yeah, call me back for the Jennifer's Body episode. I'm ready and willing. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Leftist Teen Drama. Follow us on social media for updates. Links to our Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, and TikTok are in the show notes, along with links to suggested additional reading on the topics discussed. Solidarity forever, free Palestine, and abolish the PIC. Signing off, Maria.